Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million, and this is a podcast where we talk about feminist issues in music and pop culture, all while empowering fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. You guys, it's been a week. It's been a week of fangirl content. I don't think I've had such an emotional week in my life in like a long time. I was hit from all angles, from... BTS from Charlie XCX the 1975 like TXT all the angles were coming at me with this fangirl life Jenna was truly thriving and it's genuinely so amusing and fun for me to watch when Jenna has fangirl breakdowns because I feel like it's usually me sending her like two of the same things of Maddie Healy or Harry Styles <laughs> Yes, it is not often. So when it does happen, it is significant and important. (laughs) (laughs) So TXT new album came out today, Friday, as of recording. I literally watched the music video last night at 11 p.m., listened to all the songs at lunchtime, went to Target to get the album, like watched the performances. Like I was so excited for this comeback and I like haven't been this excited for like an album in like a hot minute. So yeah, I'm doing the most K-pop shit. I mean, I'm just like obsessed with the fact that this era or whatever it is that it's called is it feels like when you like see those photos where a photographer's like, I put I put Vaseline on my camera lens and everything yes. looks like a fairy yeah. like ethereal land. And like, yeah. those those are the vibes and I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. So the name chapter Temptation is what this era is called. But Sarah's talking about the daydream photos. So I was so obsessed with this photo concept. I think it's one of my favorites I've done, like visually direction wise. It has been amazing. But they have four different photo concepts for this album. So this is how K-pop gets you, right? Like K-pop does the most for fans. (laughs) I love it. I'm eating it up. I love it so much. I appreciate it so much. Harry Styles could never. Like imagine the joy. I was telling Sarah this. Remember the like 2017 photo shoot Harry did when he was like by the sea and that photo of him laying in the grass in the blue striped shirt with like a daisy in his hair? <laughs> yes. Remember how much joy that brought all of us? I'm sure all of us had that as like our phone screensaver. I know I did. The joy you got from that specific photo shoot, but like times four every single time your favorite artist puts out an album. <laughs> Like the serotonin you all could be having if you stands K-pop is insane. But yeah, the daydream concept is my favorite and it is very dreamy and fairy. So you sent me the music video for their main single for this album called Sugar Rush Ride. And that also felt like I entered a fairy 
village to watch a boy band perform which i was like iconic but also i love that they just like sampled give me more by britney spears like personally unexpectedly and i was like i was like what is happening here and it was it was funny because you also sent me the live performance of that and like i know that i know that like they're making these faces at the camera to like be sultry but i was like oh they're like being like huh look at us doing britney oh my god (laughs) Honestly, I don't know if they know they probably that it's don't, like, but it I felt, don't think they it know it's like, an illusion of Britney. I was like, oh, when one of them looked in the camera while he was doing it, I was like, oh, he's like winking at me. He knows. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like I watched the music video last night at 11 p.m. with my roommate. And it's so funny because my roommate like isn't into K-pop. So I get to see their like first reaction of like what is k-pop it's so funny (laughs) so like after they do like the release all this they go on the music shows so today they're on music bank because that's on fridays Mm -hmm. and they did like their full performance i haven't even watched all of the like comeback show because they did another performance and i haven't had time to watch it yet Mm -hmm. but they they performed sugar rush ride and like y'all first of all they're wearing my favorite outfits from this like concept which is all like vests slash shirts with no sleeves all five of them have never worn no sleeves together (laughs) like usually it's just one or two and this is the thing about k-pop is it's so to a certain degree modest yeah of like until they reach a certain age like now they're all adults they're out of their teenage years but when they were a little bit younger like couldn't show too much skin like was always fully covered so it is like shocking to see five of them without sleeves like with their whole arms out like this is a big deal number one number two they're literally wearing body glitter they're literally it's giving edward cullen like (laughs) it's wild they just have like lots of glitter on their face and like are in all black and like leather pants and they all look very good and then this concept was also like a little bit sexy sensual which they've never done before again i think it's because they're adults now but yeah it is wild it is wild the performance is like a whole other because like the music video came out last night and it's good because it's like choreography plus like there's acting like stuff going on in the mm-hmm. music video but i'm like where i need the i need the full choreo like that's my favorite thing is seeing full choreo so it's like a whole other gift to watch the full <laughs> performance and i like started watching it this morning and i was like this is too much to handle right now like i need a break i literally stopped it and i had to like come back and watch it later because i was overwhelmed so wow. yeah we're in full fangirl mode over here <laughs> honestly i feel like this is a great start to the day real positive I mean, I I personally woke up to Harry Styles ripping his pants. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this, I did not know about, look, I did not know about this. Sarah was just like, oh, look, Harry's back, like, last night. And I'm like, cool. Uh, No, Sarah sends me the video of Harry Styles ripping his pants. (laughs) This rocks my world. (laughs) It's like Harry, Harry shows up to these rescheduled LA dates and, like, pleather pants jacked as as all like as he's in his beefcake era (laughs) um like a new haircut like truly thriving he looks really good it's like not it's not a it's like a very normal outfit for harry styles lately yeah i feel like it's always really entertaining when a guy who is used to be like very noodly becomes more ripped and they like don't really understand the power of said new uh, body and then like no. harry styles like this is the second time he's ripped his pants since he got busy when was the first time it happened in uh brazil or argentina or like one of the okay South i did not countries. know i did not know about the other one yeah this is the second time it's happened no. 
I would blame this on wardrobe costuming and them not like practicing doing the splits in their pleathered pants. Well, I mean, that too, but I think it's also just like Harry doesn't understand how powerful his thighs are. <laughs> okay, look, the man just bent down and the crotch fully split open on this pants. These, this was wild. This is wild. And he's like, oh, oh shit. And then he like stands up and then he's like trying to cover it with his hand. And I was like, what are you going to do now? He did wind up going from trying his hands to a towel to like collecting a pride flag from a fan on the barricade (laughs) to wrap around him, which is what he also did the last time that this happened. Which is just even more (laughs) hilarious, to be honest. Yeah, but... The the insinuation of that. Oh my God. But I mean, like, it's the only like large thing available since everybody has them. Uh, But it is just, it is funny because like, I genuinely forgot that these LA shows were happening and I'm like scrolling tiktok last night because i can't sleep and harry shows up and i'm like oh i'm like lying. not you I'm like, not you again I was like oh god and i was like i don't i can't deal with this and then like one comes up and he like did something cute and then all of a sudden my eyes are hearts and i'm just like giggling into my yeah, phone and yeah I was like, you know what how does this man have this power and also maybe as much as i don't need to take my antidepressants tomorrow <laughs> Oh my god. You know, as much as I like feel a distance to Harry these days, I'll tell you what, that man has a cute little smirk on stage. <laughs> I will say hard eyes too. Oh I like god. feel nothing like emotionally for him in general, but like when he looks cute on stage, I'm like, damn, he is cute. <laughs> oh my god, what a precious little bean. So I mean, that's a gift. Also, another gift that's been happening is the 1975 bringing their buddies out and the joke about how oh they my tried God. to get Harry and like Jenna oh. Charlie and then it was and Louis Capaldi. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. Oh my God. Okay, so like, okay, so first, first, because they're going through England right now. So first it was Taylor Swift came out in London, which like then in Manchester they brought out Charlie XX. Which I lost my shit for because she played Room Room. Oh my god. Y'all, if y'all are 1975 Charlie Stans and you listen to this podcast, come hit me up. I, I need some more friends because <laughs> I've been OG, OG Charlie fan. If I was there, I would have transcended. Like I felt like I was transcending just watching the video. And because now we have so many like fan reactions of like them screaming and there's so many like POVs. I'm like, yes, I I too am screaming. Like you are me. I am you. So that was amazing. But then, yeah, I just saw the like, so on the screen, they put out the tag, like guest star. And it was like Harry Styles. And everyone was like, oh my God. And then like Louis walks Cap- through the doors, Louis Capaldi. <laughs> oh my God. And he, it, like, he's so funny. I love him yes. so much. And I also, did you see the video of him and Niall? And like Niall's front row for a Louis Capaldi show, and he like goes down and like kisses him, and Niall's yeah. like on TikTok reacting to the video. That was funny. Oh my god, I love their bromance. I still am really mad that COVID stole the Louis Capaldi Niall Horan co-headline tour that we were gonna get in twenty. They're probably gonna do it again. Honestly, I hope, I hope that we get it. It's what we deserve. Their friendship is wholesome. I mean, but so after this Charlie XCX appearance, the next day or same day, Charlie and George Daniel, who are dating, by the way, in case you guys didn't know this, 
George Daniel did a remix of Caroline Politics, Welcome to My Island, Welcome to the Island, featuring Charlie XCX. And like, also, if you guys are in Charlie World, this was in, like an insane, like, remix, like, takeover, like, iconic Charlie, like, 100 <laughs> level shit. But then there's a 1975 after party where George is like DJing and Charlie's like dancing. And I'm like, you know what? I thought Maddie Healy going to the parties with like Taylor Swift and like Nick Grimshaw and like Ellie Golding in 2013 was peak. No. Even better, Charlie dating George. <laughs> and she's like posting videos of him being, and she's like being super obnoxious. Well, she's being herself. And you can tell George is just like used to putting up with like obnoxious yeah. personalities. <laughs> I'm like, same, relatable. It's, it's really funny. George is like the anti social media boyfriend with like a super online girlfriend. And she's yes. just like, listen to my song. And he's like, no thanks. But then he's like, actually, I'm a, I'm a dance with my girl. And then he's like, actually, oh, ignore me. I, I love this so much. <laughs> they feel so British together. I love it. <laughs> but I do have one last thing to fangirl about before we get into today's episode. I'm sorry, guys. But we usually never have this much stuff. And I have to get it all out, which is that like the day after we recorded our previous episode Jimin and J-Hope from BTS were at Paris Fashion Week together like so J-Hope was announced to go to Paris Fashion Week and he went to several shows like Louis Vuitton and he's like a Louis Vuitton ambassador and so is Rosalia and there was a photo of them together which was really cool mm -hmm. but then suddenly Jimin is in Paris also and then Jimin and J-Hope go to a, the Dior show together and they're sitting together and it is the cutest thing and they're sitting next to Jay Balvin and Naomi Campbell and like all of the photos are like all the photographers are just surrounding Jimin and J-Hope and like Naomi Campbell one of the most famous supermodels in the world is just like also there <laughs> and I just love it just really showed Jimin and J-Hope's star power and like celebrity power and fashion power as individuals rather than it just be like oh there's BTS because there's so much mysticism around BTS and I feel like as individuals they're gonna be taken seriously to like a different level because mm in Western music culture, we're so used to having individual stars and not yeah. like a group of seven people where you have to like distinguish them and remember their name. Like, like Americans just have a hard time with that, obviously. But I just feel like it was so cool to see them individually because it just showed like how famous they and like really are. Yeah. I mean, that's a really interesting point because I feel like we also have like we I feel like we've seen that time and time again, obviously, with like One Direction. So it will be interesting to see how the media responds to like them existing within stardom as individual people instead of just yeah. members of BTS. Yeah, I think, yeah, it will be interesting to see how they exist in the cultural zeitgeist. But I mean, they definitely had a lot of star power at Fa Paris Fashion Week. And Paris Fashion Week was riddled with K-pop idols. It was wild. I think it was at the Dior show, but Robert Pattinson was there. And I woke up, I woke up at 8 a.m. I opened Instagram, the first post is Jimin. And it's like, him, okay, Paris, so cute. The third photo, the third photo is him and Robert Pattinson. And I lost my shit at 8 a.m. I was like, this is the first thing I'm seeing. I was like, this is like my current fave with like, I was a Twilight girl, okay? So like our pats, like all the way. And I, and he looked like Robert Pattinson looks so good. He's been looking really good lately. So I was literally just 
like shook to my core. Like this is literally how I felt when members of BTS went to go see Harry Styles in concert <laughs> in LA. And so to see like them with Robert Pattinson, I was transcending. So you guys, you can see how like this has been a very emotional week for me. I also am just obsessed with the fact that when you sent me that photo, I was like, is it real or is it Photoshop? <laughs> Because it literally looks Photoshop, but like in that way where it's like obviously not, but it just was like a shitty photo of a photo, I think, or something like that. And I was like, okay, I would also take a weird photo of a photo. It was like front flash, back, (laughs) black background, like could have been, yeah. Yeah, it was chaotic. Okay, so unfortunately, I'm going to have to put an end to the fangirling i know this has been fun <laughs> but we have some serious business to talk about because there's been a lot a lot a lot going on in pop culture a lot of it not great a lot of it is the world having worms for brains so let's get into it we're gonna start off on a high which is that beyonce showed her face for the first time ever but it was in dubai and only influencers and rich people had access to it because of course and she was paid 35 million dollars for her one hour show it was apparent i think it was the first performance she's done in like four or five years and it was inside the world's most luxurious hotel in dubai according to the daily mail it was ridiculous because i literally found out about this because jason tartik who was a contestant on the bachelorette and is now engaged to caitlin bristow who was a bachelorette years ago posted like a tiktok or uh instagram story or something being like can't believe i'm seeing my favorite artist for the first time in x amount of years in dubai wild and i was like everything everything on this everything you've written here should not it sounds bad (laughs) sounds like a word generator (laughs) (laughs) so this was like supposed to be completely private concert no phones were allowed and yet footage has leaked as it always does yeah at first i was like okay whatever celebrities being celebrities but then i was like wait a minute beyonce who is rich who hasn't performed in years went to dubai and was paid 35 million dollars to perform privately for rich people like (laughs) extremely high profile influencers and celebrities yeah this is just like a show of extravagance there was nothing about this that was for the common people Yeah. And I feel like it's really tone deaf, like right now, especially when all the news is kind of fear mongering about the like incoming recession. And there's been all these layoffs in like every single sector of work and inflation's at an all time high. Like eggs cost like 10 fucking dollars. Like everything's a mess. And yet celebrities and the influencers are being flown out to Dubai. Most of the time, a lot of these things are paid for by the Dubai Tourism Board to like prove that Dubai is a place worth visiting, which we'll get into a bit later because there was a lot of like backlash about a lot of UK influencers getting flown out to Dubai in the midst of COVID in 2021. And so it's just it's just like the tone deafness of just the existence of Dubai and visiting Dubai and then yeah. also like the affluence that's being shown off. Because even though the show itself was meant to be private, like there was a red carpet, there were press photos of these people coming to this event because it was also the opening of the Atlantis Royal Dubai where guests can pay $285,000 a night for a suite, which is disgusting in and of itself so it's just like opulence at its highest extent and like 
The other thing that I don't understand, and like I just sorry, there's just so many things about this that just like boggle my mind, is like I thought the whole point of like influencers existing and the influencer market increasing is that influencers are supposed to be somewhat relatable and like aspirational to a point where it's like what you're aspiring to feels actually within your attainable. yeah attainable within your yeah. grasp. Whereas like celebrities, it's like, oh, like that would be really cool if I could do that, but I know how hard it is to like get that level of fame because of uh, you know talent and success and like luck and all those things whereas like influencing i always assumed was supposed to feel like something that anybody could do so that way people actually are like using those codes and buying things meanwhile dubai's whole existence is for rich people and so it's interesting that these hotels in dubai and the dubai tourism board and like all these companies in dubai are putting out so much money to have influencers go to these events when it's like can their followers even afford to go there could they as influencers even afford to go and spend time yeah. in these places yeah. without the sponsored trip who knows not me probably not i completely agree and it's just like what is this for who is this for yeah like influencing other celebrities to go there <laughs> like influencing the ceo of like every major corporation in america to go there it is a display of wealth, period. That's that's all it is. Yeah. It, it's just so unfathomable. And I will say, like, the initial reaction from a lot of people on Twitter that I saw was more so that Beyonce just put out an album that was essentially a tribute to Black queer people in the dance community mm -hmm. historically throughout time. And yet Dubai, it's illegal to be homosexual you like don't speak of it you don't speak of dubai negatively you don't speak against the government all these things and it's like beyonce literally just put out an album that played homage to queer people and then goes and takes money and performs in a country where it's illegal to be queer yeah it's super questionable and i mean there there are countless artists who have performed there who have huge queer followings like Lady Gaga and even like if you listen to our podcast from the beginning we talked about the 1975s concert in Dubai where Maddie Healy kissed a guy and he then talked later about how like they almost got arrested and like all this sort of stuff and I mean personally I think that uh, everybody should boycott anywhere that's <laughs> fucking shitty about that stuff. So like Florida should also be off of everybody's tour maps. But my initial reaction also to seeing Beyonce performing at this and like accepting this money and accepting this job is it's like it feels like a slap in the face to these fans who were like, wow, she's celebrating us right now. And she's celebrating yeah, like yeah. queer yeah. culture in this regard. And yet she still went and like was like, oh, yes, my first performance back after years of not performing live is going to be in a place that my fans wouldn't even be welcome in. Yeah. Well, number one, not welcome in. But number two, not even able to afford if yeah. we're going back to talking about the wealth. Yeah. And it's wild because the episode we did about Beyonce with our friend Jana Jefferson like, we talk so much about how much activism Beyonce does. Yeah. But then, it's like, she's so unplugged from reality of what the common person, <laughs> who they are and what they do. Yeah. It's, it's just wild. Because it's like, <laughs> Beyonce is a double-edged sword of like, here, let me put out an activist album for you. But also, I'm way wealthier than you and we're never going to be the same and I'm going to benefit off my wealth. Yeah. It's unhinged. But it is interesting to, like, think about all of this in the context of like 
what's going on in the world with like Sarah mentioned, like we keep being told there's a recession, like a, a bunch of tech companies just laid off a bunch of people. Journalism is constantly going through layoffs and like, like the price of eggs, like you said, is ridiculous. Yeah. So it's like, we're being told like, oh, we're in a recession. And then it's like, also I see a lot of like fashion TikTokers talking about like at Paris fashion week, there were certain designers that were doing looks that were very utilitarian, that were very like office suit esque. Yeah. And then like on red carpets, a lot of the red carpets we've been seeing lately for film people, like none of the women are wearing jewelry, like period at all. No yeah. necklaces, like no earrings. And I've seen people talking about how this is like, sh like we're going back to like a more stripped down, like more natural, like not showing off excessive wealth. And then also tying this into our body discussion of like people like Kim Kardashian who are putting a lot of money into changing their body so drastically, taking away BBLs, yeah. like to be this, this picture of like curves that wasn't even attainable yeah. to then go be i'm thin i don't have an ass like yeah. i don't have curves like the amount of money that goes into that to attaining that body the normal person cannot change their body that drastically yeah without all of the surgery without all of the money that's going into that and so it's almost like the one percent of people like beyonce people like kim kardashian still participating in extravagant displays of wealth while like the general celebrity or like the general wealthy person is like no we're utilitarian we're not wearing jewelry as to like be more aspirational for like the middle working yeah. class like i don't even know it's just so wild to me it's like the disparity is getting larger and larger between all of these things. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting because also there's some news about how like this year, like Taylor Swift is on track to become a billionaire and it's like, there's no such thing as ethical billionaires. And like some of her fans were freaking out about that. And there's like a couple other people who are also on track to becoming billionaires this year. And it's like, how can we be having this news of like, Oh, like these people are on track to become billionaires when like they're becoming billionaires. Thanks to their fans who have shitty paying jobs and shitty lives and can't yeah. afford homes yeah. and like all these things. Yeah. And it's just like, it's so crazy and so jarring. And also the fact that like 2023 started off with that huge influencer trip to Dubai through Tarte Cosmetics that everybody was freaking out about on TikTok where so many influencers got sent there, got flown out on Emirates business class with a plus one. We're staying in these like fancy ass hotels doing all these crazy rich people things. And it's like, who are they trying to influence with this? Because yeah. nobody that follows them can ever attain that whatsoever yeah. and that's where i think this also ties into the fact where like i was saying it's like in 2021 like dubai was like who cares like we're a safe space from covid like covid doesn't exist here look at all these influencers and it was mainly like uk influencers because the uk is like closer to dubai i guess but like all these love island stars were going to dubai and working from there and they were getting stuck there because the UK had deemed Dubai like a certain level of risk. And so there were all these things about like, they weren't able to get coronavirus tests and all this stuff. And there was a lot of press around it and how it was like, why is the Dubai tourism board spending all this money for these influencers from the UK to come over here when like the UK has like crazy strict laws at the time about what countries people can travel to. Can people travel at all because of 
the coronavirus. And then on top of that, it's like the UK was having, is still having like an energy crisis and a, and a gas crisis. And like everything costs like a shit ton of money. Like the price to heat your home almost doubled from last year in the UK. And yet these like UK influencers are just going off to Dubai and posting all these it photos makes no of sense. it. And it just makes absolutely no, it makes sense no sense to be showing off this kind of wealth right now. Well, also, Julia Fox on TikTok posted a tour of her tiny two-bedroom New York apartment. And it was, well, first of all, she was very messy, which was wild. But she was like, I don't need a big house. Yeah. I don't like extravagant displays of wealth. Like, that's not who I am. That's not what I need. Like, all I need is this two-bedroom apartment. That's all I need. And it was very, like, she's she's a normal person, you know? I mean, but, to be fair, I don't know where she lives in New York, but that two-bedroom apartment, even with the mice, was she was probably talking still about, very expensive. was probably, like, between four to six K a month. Yeah. Like, yeah. realistically speaking, but it is New York, whatever, you know. I don't even know if it was a two-bedroom because she said her bedroom is the living room. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I th that was, like, a one-bedroom. So... Some celebrities are being real people. Some celebrities clearly are not. And I feel like we're just going to see more and more and more of this. And the disparity is going to grow greater and greater because that's capitalism, folks. The rich get richer and the working class continue to work. It's interesting watching the discourse of it all occurring and how upset and frustrated people are and people questioning these things to the extent where that tart influencer trip that i mentioned people were like dissecting it to this crazy extent on tiktok where they're just like who's paying for this like where is this coming from like reaching conspiracy level but i think that if anything we've discussed on this podcast has proven anything it's just that tiktok loves to turn anything into a conspiracy theory as quickly as they possibly can but i think also that kind of speaks to the kind of dystopian era we're living in where we kind of need to create entertainment out of nothing right now because we have nothing to live for and i think that that brings us to our uh, next topic which is the return of the chaos blind items which we've discussed on our patreon quite a bit we've discussed a little bit on the main podcast you know what's funny is like i feel like people's obsession with blind items right now is how obsessed people were like two years ago with true crime <laughs> Like, I don't know why, but like that just is it's giving the same energy. I mean, it really is. It truly is. And it's I think it's even funnier. It's like a mystery. Yeah. It's like got it's juicy, it's gossip, which like also there's some ethics of like sensationalizing murder. But most of these blind items do not have to do with murder, so it's a little safer. But I think also it says a lot that the Instagram account de moi is kind of like what really spearheaded like blind items making this huge comeback during everybody being trapped inside during the like main point of the pandemic True. and the fact that the creator of Demois was anonymous that they've been outed it's like a white woman because of course it is and so I think that that's also interesting that what that like at the end of the day it's just like some white lady spreading gossip and rumors but the account <laughs> the account very much like started as like a, oh these celebrities were spotted doing xyz and like also discussing like secret relationships amongst celebrities and then it got to the point where they created like an anonymous email account and they were accepting their own blind items and now we know about an a-list male pop star who is secretly bald <laughs> 
I mean, to be fair, Demois was the account that like broke the Army Hammer cannibal shit. Oh shit! So I didn't know that. yeah, so I mean, like, uh, there have been some things, and like, this is the thing with blind items: is one in every like twenty-five of them has some truth to it, and because of that, there's enough to it that people can be like, oh yes, like I'm really into this, and there's like countless tiktok accounts that do blind items that have success like fluently forward is like one that comes to mind like that girl has created a podcast discussing blind items is like her job now which is crazy and really interesting to see kind of like how this has grown because i mean back when i was like on live journal and the internet was youthful there was like oh no they didn't which was like a mem like quote unquote members only you had to like join the community to like read what was going on and they would post like celebrity gossip in the same extent but i mean we're talking about blind items today because Aaron Taylor Johnson is supposedly the star of one of the latest blind items that have been really growing legs on specifically TikTok right now. And that blind item was about a quote married A-list actor hooking up with an A-list tween actress turned A minus B plus list adult actress during the press trip for the recent movie. And apparently that blind item was about Joey King and Aaron Taylor Johnson and them having an affair during the press events for their film bullet train and the thing is is that a lot of the times when tiktok people the blind item people will do this to like prove their point they'll be like oh and here's the article to prove this and the article that they linked back to was just about joey king's outfit at the press event for bullet train in paris in july which like sometimes when you see this like the the article that they link back to has more legs to it than this but the interesting thing that i did find about all of this is that usually like when there are rumors that are this big and like taking up so much of the conversation the pop culture discourse if you will there's usually like a tmz article a daily mail article like an article on the sun or the mirror or like any of these sorts of sites and absolutely none of the tabloid sites are running anything about this like they're not even posting something that could be misconstrued to be about this where it's like joey king and aaron taylor johnson stun on the red carpet for this event like there's not even articles like where they're essentially like in the same sentence right next to yeah. each other. I think this is fascinating <laughs> because it's like we did a whole episode dedicated to tabloid and tabloid culture and like how significant it was, especially in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. And then like more recently, we did the episode where we were talking about how conversations that are happening on TikTok are now being reported on by pop culture reporters, like not by news reporters, usually yeah. by pop culture reporters. And when we were like searching like about this topic, it's like we found a lot of articles referencing the Aaron Taylor Johnson like alleged rumors rumor like not even not even like can like literally rumors there's like literally no substance at all yeah. on, for any of this but talking about the conversations that's happening on tiktok and, and so it's like in this regard the blind items and the conversations that are happening on tiktok is mimicking what we already saw with tabloid culture yeah and it's like same thing, different font, different era, new iteration of the same thing. Yeah. It's very interesting. And this is why media literacy is so fucking important right now, because at least before the people in the tabloids that were doing this had 
some sort of journalism background. So they had to have taken some sort of law classes. These articles were going through a law department at the publication that they were writing for. Like they were, there were some sort of rules in place. Whereas TikTok is a wild fucking West. And these are just people who enjoy pop culture posting about like their thoughts and feelings about blind items, which are anonymous rumors. So, you know, what's crazy is that, and the tabloid episode we did, which was like, Uh, the December 2021 if you guys want to go back and find it we talked about how much impact tabloids had Mm -hmm. in the pop culture zeitgeist yeah and a lot of it was negative because they wrote about a lot of women negatively yeah it was not nice portrayals of people but it's like in a combination with that episode and I think for a lot of people the wake the wake up moment was like the Britney Spears like documentary from New York Times it was like a big wake up call for a lot of people it's like wow we collectively treated Britney so bad in combination with the tabloids feeling that so it's like now now with these rumors going around and people on tiktok talking about it it's like once again we the people are actively contributing to these conversations which are sometimes negative and hateful yeah and and that's the thing that blows my mind is like the same people who are just like i can't believe we did that to britney i can't believe we let this happen are also these people who are going on tiktok and making the videos about these blind items and like spreading these rumors without doing any research to see what's going on or like reading an article not understanding the importance of the terms like allegedly etc which like we broke down in our we broke down in a patreon episode somewhat recently is like they'll come back to TikTok and they'll regurgitate a news article without the journalistic integrity, without the media literacy behind it. And they just are completely spitting unfactual information and putting it off as fact because like, oh, they have like 300,000 TikTok followers. People like their content. Therefore, they're going to believe them. And then things will spiral. And then we're seeing that, like we've discussed in our episode last year about TikTok reporting on the media and the media reporting on TikTok and it being this like weird, like back and forth telephone yeah. tag conversation about pop culture news. And it's like, when when do things just become nonsense it's like the gossip grapevine of like high school drama is happening on tiktok but like with celebrities and their like (laughs) livelihoods oh my god oh my god Demas gossip girl (laughs) (laughs) the thing that we we talked about in that previous like episode about tiktok on the media is that people then see pop cultural journalists are writing about what's happening on tiktok and then they think it gives them credibility to continue having this discourse and so the interesting thing with all of this and like why we're going so in depth about like how tiktok reporting doesn't always have that much like journalistic integrity behind it and like people don't really care that much about facts or education or anything like that is that the aaron taylor johnson cheating rumor of it all is something that i think a lot of people who like Aaron Taylor Johnson have kind of been hoping would happen at some point, which sounds unhinged because nobody ever wants cheating to happen. But for those of you who might not be in the know, Aaron Taylor Johnson is married to Sam Taylor Johnson, who is a director who he met on the second film he ever did called Nowhere Boy, which he auditioned for when he was like 17. They filmed it while he was 18 years old. She was 42 at the time of filming this movie called Nowhere Boy, which is about John Lennon. And they very quickly got into a relationship. She got pregnant. They got married. And they had two kids by the time Aaron was 21 years old. 
and there was like this whole thing where like it was like this very fast kind of love affair we we discussed this on our patreon but there was an insider article from 2021 kind of breaking down their relationship and they quoted from a telegraph interview in 2019 where aaron spoke about the age gap between the two of them and he said when i met sam i'd already lived a life far beyond that of most of my contemporaries i didn't relate to anyone my age i just felt that we are on the same wavelength and then later on in another interview with harper's Bizarre, Sam said as soon as we finished meaning like the film he told me he was going to marry me we had never been on a date or even kissed Aaron said also in this interview that a year to the minute after we met exactly one year to the minute I got down on one knee and asked her to marry me and so it's like one of those things where I feel like they were always kind of positioning it as like oh this is like really cute and wholesome and like love at first sight blah blah, blah. but it's really like a teen that was very taken by his older powerful director and she kind of used that power there's like a huge power imbalance there definitely is some grooming involved because he was so young and like regardless of what anybody says it's like yes a teen boy might like at the time think it's like cool and awesome that he's like hooking up with this like hot older woman who's like interesting and successful or whatever but at the end of the day she was using her power and her privilege and her age and her experience to kind of woo him and make him feel safe. And like, while grooming isn't technically illegal, grooming is an act of abuse at the end of the day. And so this relationship started on like rocky footing and really she kind of took his youth away from him because if you follow his career, like I have, because his first movie was in Angus songs and full frontal snogging, which was one of my favorite books ever as a teenager and he played the heartthrob in that film is that basically any interview he did she was there like she was always like two steps behind him there was never a moment where Aaron was not without her and she kind of like controlled his whole life and I do think that it is a bit sus that there were rumors circulating that Aaron was up for James Bond and as soon as those rumors started making some headway where people were discussing that possibility that these rumors about him cheating on his wife came out I think that that's suspect why because she's essentially controlled his whole career and so he finally is has been doing films that she's not attached to and being James Bond would be like mm. a vast career move it would catapult him to like full yeah. A-list celebrity status it would be like a multiple film contract that he'd be working on and like he'd be surrounded by hot younger women and so I can only imagine like the separation of them two because he would have to be working yeah. so much on James Bond. Like yeah. based off of just like the control you can feel in their relationship, just based off the fact that like they've been on a lot, so many talk shows together, like so many interviews, it's both of them being interviewed. Like it's always them together as like a united front, so to speak, that like a job like James Bond would kind of separate them to the extent where like he might be able to like actually realize what has happened yeah. to him. Ooh, this is wild. So the thing is that a lot of this, a lot of our opinions and stuff is speculation. Obviously, yes. we don't know the truth of what's going down between their relationship or historically how he feels about any of this stuff. We just know the interviews they've done publicly, all this. When we typically talk about these relationships, it's, it's just usually the gender roles are not in this order. Yeah. Usually it's an older man with a younger woman and usually she doesn't have kids right away because they want to keep her young and beautiful and hot and sexy as long as possible and then they break up with her when she's 26 <laughs> if you're Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. But but there's never hatred for the relationship. It's always like, ooh, like maybe she's 
working her way up. Maybe she's getting a, her bag, like whatever it is. But it's never so much like vitriol against the like woman in this relationship as there has been with like Aaron Taylor Johnson and Sam Taylor Johnson, because we don't usually see the roles like reversed in this way. And because he really was so young, like 18 married by 19 to a woman in her forties. Like it's just such like a shock to us because we're not used to seeing it. And so I think there's like some lingering feelings of everyone who's ever like been aware of their marriage situation to the point that now when there's these rumors that are just a blind item rumor. There's not necessarily any credibility to this at all that he cheated on her with Joey King. Suddenly it's like, yes, Joey King, we love you. Like you're saving him all this stuff. I mean, it's, it's a weird thing because again, it's like, I don't want to be standing up for Sam Taylor Johnson in any sense of the term. I think that she groomed Aaron Taylor Johnson I think that the relationship is really suspect and questionable and the thing is is that it's weird number one to like celebrate cheating in general when we don't know what's going on at all yeah but also backtracking just a little bit in regards to like when we do see the genders reverse where like the man is older and the girl is younger it's like number one we're so used to it that it's like the anger about it is so much more common and we're so we know how to like respond in anger like quote unquote properly where when we attack these men it's from a place of like how could they do that like It feels more educated, like when we're attacking the older men in those relationships, but also in the like small cases where there is a huge age gap and when the man's a lot older and the woman is a lot younger, sometimes it feels like it's a girl, you know, where if those people are being interviewed together or the woman has her own career, like Anna Nicole Smith, for example, who married a much older man, it's like the relationship is mocked. It's always a joke. It's always like the butt of it. Like the woman is the butt of a joke. It's always like, why are you doing this? Oh, are you just trying to make money? It always feels like the woman is being questioned when it's like the man is older. Like he should know better in that regard. Whereas like specifically because Sam and Aaron are like, really the only like prime example of people who like work together a lot and all this that have this huge age gap that actually got married that have like worked together etc nobody's making fun of it like there's no even acknowledgement of the age gap when they're interviewed together there's no poking fun at it there's nothing like that like nobody even acknowledges it they just act like it's completely normal like oh this is just a normal fucking couple when like it's really not and so it's it's been really jarring i think to see the fact that like rather than using this as like a teachable moment or like even a moment to be like see this can also happen to men this is just as bad when it happens to men when they're groomed when they're taken advantage of by an older woman yeah etc that the that a lot of these videos will be like oh here's here's this blind item and then it's like oh my god joey king's saving him from granny like She's saving him from, like, this ugly hag of a woman who, like, stole his youth from him, all this stuff. And it's frustrating to see when, like, there's so much we can learn and so much we can teach and so much that can be discussed that's like genuinely horrible that's happened to him and instead everybody's like no we're going to like jump straight to misogyny and it's like this woman is like not the best director and also not the best person it's like she saw this young boy and was like ah yes i'm going to let him come up to me and be like when we're done filming this i'm gonna marry you and be like oh let's go make out in a barn like like what like what like what type of thought process 
is that for like a grown woman who's the director of the film who has like so much power over this teenage boy's career to be like oh he has a crush on me let me act on it like she should have known better yeah i i also i think like when their relationship happened like this was more than 10 years ago he's like 32 now so it's yeah. like 12 years ago or something like us discussing it now like weren't necessarily as aware of the situation when it was happening and i think i mean also we always talk about like 10 years ago the conversations around these stuff were so different than they are now yeah. and so now it's like people our age realizing like looking back what happened it's like that's kind of fucking weird and now we're able to call it out but to go to your point of like people's automatic response being misogyny in the current cheating rumors is that even now, even though we're, we're smarter to call out these types of relationship issues, we're still not doing it in the most healthy way, Yeah. which like, I don't think anyone has even like these rumors have been out for like a full week and I don't think anyone has responded to them. I haven't seen anything about this Mm -mm. damage control wise. And also Joey King is engaged too. Yeah. And she's like 23 and Aaron Taylor Johnson's 32. So there's an age gap there, which is also weird. IMO. Yeah. But it is weird that it's like, like, like you mentioned, it's like usually we're like cheating is bad, but it's like in this situation because of this, like the weird like marriage that he's had from the outsider perspective, we're suddenly like, ah, oh, yes, cheating is good. Aaron Taylor Johnson is being saved. Just, I don't know. The whole thing is very weird and like very unsettling. And I think going back to the point of like, we, the people are now part of the narrative that's being put out there is this a narrative we want to look back on in 10 years being like our behavior was okay and justified yeah i mean and also like with you mentioning joey king being engaged sam was at the paris bullet train preview that aaron allegedly cheated with joey during so like and they look very like into each other on the red carpet. Again, I have no idea what their relationship is actually like. So like, that's weird. But also like you're saying, it's like, again, we keep seeing things and we talk, we've talked about this in the past two years of our podcast where we're looking back on pop culture and it's like, how, what have we learned from this thing? And it's like, how can we act like we're doing so much learning and yet keep redoing certain things but with different people because like oh this is a bad person rather than this is a good person you know so it's like we're doing the same thing essentially where we're like attacking a woman we're bringing her down for being a woman when it's like let's bring her down for being a creep instead of being a woman it's like there's something legitimately there that she's done that like she like i mean she should answer for but like (laughs) like obviously like mm, mm, that's a gray area because again it's like grooming is bad but is it illegal technically no so she like we can't make her answer to it unless we show up at her house with pitchforks or whatever you know like (laughs) there'd be no actual legal recourse to be had but it is just frustrating to see how like we're acting like we've learned so much from the past and yet we continue the cycle of bringing down women of attacking people for like the wrong thing and i think also there's an aspect of wanting to control here yeah like wanting to control how their relationship is going like how this narrative is going like all these things as a public wanting to control this yeah and like feeling like you're owed access to something because you feel like you know something more than even the person involved in it themselves which brings us to our last topic of the day which is that there's been a lot going on in the britney spears camp i felt like this was necessary to bring up because since the end of Britney's conservatorship, 
we haven't really seen her that much, which like it, we're not owed access to Britney in any way, shape or form. And I think while Britney's been essentially a dancing monkey to her family for so long, I can understand her wanting to be a little bit in the shadows, but she keeps like deleting her Instagram. And so her fans called in a welfare check to the police in her area to go check and make sure Brittany was okay. And just to give you guys some more of the details on like what actually went down with this, we have an article in NME called police confirmed Britney Spears is in no harm or danger. And the Ventura County Sheriff's Office in California confirmed in a statement on January 25th that Spears was not any in any danger via page six. And it came after fans expressed their concern for the star citing suspicious online activity. And the police spokesperson said, I can confirm that we did get calls into our dispatch. And essentially, I can confirm that we don't believe Britney Spears is in any kind of harm or any kind of danger. It's just a privacy thing for the residents in our county. We just don't disclose those kind of things, such as wellness checks. It's not a crime. And numerous people are said to have taken to TikTok to request a wellness check. In one video, a fan said, I was calling because I am worried about the physical safety of a resident in your area. And essentially, this is all because Britney Spears deleted her Instagram account. And we do also have Britney responding to this matter on Twitter. She says, as everyone knows, the police were called to my home based on some rank phone calls. I love and adore my fans, but this time things went a little too far and my privacy was invaded. I felt like I was being gaslit and bullied once the incident made it to the news and being portrayed once again an unfair light by the media. During this time in my life, I truly hope the public and my fans who I care so much about can respect my privacy moving forward. All the love, B. And... My initial reaction before I saw that Britney had responded, just like seeing this in general on Twitter is like fans are concerned about Britney's health. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, is she okay? Like my initial reaction was to be like, yeah, is she okay? Like maybe we should check on her. But then like once I started digging into all of this and like reading her response and like actually thinking critically, it's like kind of, it is unhinged that fans did this because it's once again, fans thinking they have control over someone thinking they have ownership and mm -hmm. access to have the right to know if Britney's going through something where like Britney, not only is Britney 41 years old, she's an adult woman. She is married. Mm -hmm. Like that, that is the responsibility of her partner and usually the family, which we know does not have a good relationship, but it just feels like ever since Britney got out of her conservatorship that fans have been so, Number one, overly protective, but also in a like very infantilizing way yeah. where they're just like, no, you don't know how to exist in the world because you were under lock and key for 13 years. Like you don't know how to be an adult. So we have to babysit you like you, you, you don't know how to like post online on social media. You don't know how to do all these things because yeah. you didn't have autonomy for a whole decade. And so therefore now we must take care of you. And it's like, I understand like the intention is coming from a good place, but it's not our place to do these things. Yeah, literally. And like, this is not the first time that Brittany or her husband, Sam, have had to acknowledge that like fans are kind of overstepping their boundaries because 
she had previously deactivated her Instagram like a month ish ago and Sam had to post on his social media saying social media can be traumatizing. Sometimes it's good to take a break. She has her voice and she's a free woman. And he went on to say, I have respect for her privacy and I protect it at all times out of respect for her privacy. I don't post her 24 seven. And anytime like he posts her, he asks for her permission. And yet fans are just like constantly speculating like, Oh, Sam's in control of her. Like these videos feel like she's like, reposting the same things over and over again and it's all the stuff where it's like i can understand why after all this time of being in control being like like i said earlier like a dancing monkey for your family like being in control of people who like don't have your best interests at heart just have money on their mind to like want to post some weird shit on instagram like want to kind of maybe troll the internet for for once because you haven't been allowed to for so long because i think that the thing that we forget when it comes to britney at the end of the day is that like she became famous very young she grew up in a very religious household in a small town in the south of america in mississippi like we don't know how like well educated she was we don't know like what her background was other than like her religion which she talks quite a lot about like throughout the start of her career and so i th- i think that like these are things that we need to keep in mind when when Britney is posting this stuff online that we're like, oh no, like what's Britney doing? Like, can, is she okay? When it's like... In 2007, she was walking around at a gas station with bare feet. Yeah, and she like <laughs> chose Kevin Federline as like to be, to be her husband and father of her children. Like she's made very like small town girl, not choices fancy pop star choices you know yeah and so these are things that i feel like we need to keep in mind when we're like oh my god is britney okay like she keeps posting like the same photo like seven times with different captions like what could this mean and it's like it just probably means that like we probably nothing it just probably means we like haven't had access to like real true britney for over a decade and now we do and we're like this isn't who i've created in my head yeah britney is of course to bring Harry Styles into everything. Uh, I just think he's a really good example for this context of what we talk about Harry Styles is that like, yes, he does. He's an A-lister. He makes public appearances. He's very high profile. And yet we don't know a ton about him because he doesn't, he doesn't post on Instagram. Like he doesn't do a whole lot of interviews. And when he does interviews, a lot of them don't necessarily tell us a lot up until this recent press cycle for Harry's house. We did get a lot from him then, but in general, we don't really know Harry. Like we have this image of Harry that we've projected onto him. And it's interesting because it's like with Brittany, since the conservatorship ended, she has been very online. Like she has been posting out a, a lot of photos of herself and also airing out family drama, like on the internet. But like there was like a large chunk of time where we don't like really know who she is or like her thought processes or the way she moves through life. And I think in the same way, fans and the general public have constructed this idea of what Britney is Mm -hmm. based on who she was in the early 2000s and like this perfect princess image. And it's like she's not really that person and i think we're starting to to see the dissonance here of who we think she is versus who she's showing us she is yeah and and i feel like also it's that thing where it's like fans are so used to like the new form of access that we've had to celebrities whereas britney 
never really had a role in that like new internet era because of the conservatorship and so it's like she's kind of learning something like really late to the game trying to wrap her head around it trying to understand this and it can be super overwhelming especially when like she wasn't like as much in the spotlight for most of the conservatorship until like the free britney movement really got some legs and then those documentaries came out and so it's like she was so controlled for so long that like i can't even imagine how jarring it must be once like now she's headline news once again and like now her now kevin's trying to make some money now he's trying to make like the kids seem like they might be trying to make some money off of this like all these people from her past are like cropping up posting things about her sharing things about her that like she feels like she needs to respond to you it feels like we're making her a commodity like her yeah. life is now a commodity and i think we the general public and fans are easily falling into these trappings of like, I don't know that we had a very good experience of this to go off historically because this is the other thing is like conservatorships are like so rare mm -hmm. that we're never going to know what it's like to be in one. Yeah. So who are we to judge? Who are we to advocate? Who are we? And it's like, of course we want the best for Brittany, but the way fans are going about it now. And of course, not everyone, not everyone, but this is a lot of what the narrative is, is very controlling. It's continuing to control her. And we had an article that was actually really well done in the Daily Beast that came out this week following all this fans calling the police on her nonsense called Will We Ever Leave Britney Spears Alone by Laura Bradley. And Laura kind of did some digging on like fan reactions and like how fans have been treating Britney since the conservatorship ended. So she pulls together some interesting quotes, one from the New York Post, in which the article's first sentence reads, some Britney Spears super fans who once condemned her contentious conservatorship are now singing a different tune and insisting the pop icon might be just too toxic for her own good. Laura writes that supposed former hashtag free Britney supporters told the post that based on her Instagram, they now consider her a gross excuse of a mother, which like these quotes are honestly insane. So I feel like this is like the 1% of fans who are saying this because this is insane, but goes on to, to write a 33 year old woman from Ireland told the post quote, freedom can be very dangerous for someone who has no idea how to navigate life without being controlled. We should have been more mindful of that in calling for the end of Spears's 13 year conservatorship. Instead, we were just so eager to free her without thinking of the consequences. Like, excuse me, we, yeah, we should be thinking of the consequences of Britney's conservatorship ending. No, what, why was she better off in it? Like, no. this is so unhinged to think that we, the public have any responsibility in Britney Spears transitioning out of her conservatorship. And that's why this is th because the public had such a hand in calling for free Britney in calling for the trial, like to, to have the, the case heard all of this to end her conservatorship. Yeah. Now suddenly people think they're responsible for how Britney is transitioning out of this, which I think is insanely unhinged. Laura goes on to write, it's easy to watch a bunch of documentaries and say we've learned something, but if there's one thing we should have internalized from all that streaming, it's that relentless scrutiny nearly destroyed Britney Spears once. 
Hashtag Free Britney, the movement that helped her end the conservatorship, might have begun on social media, but like everything else, the internet's obsession is a double-edged sword. If we're not careful, it could easily cut her down again, and I think that's exactly what's happening right now, because Britney, literally in that Twitter response to all of this, said that she felt gaslit and bullied once again, specifically by the media, but I think more so by her fans, like honestly being humiliated by her fans. Yeah, because I mean, it's like, just because the fans maybe played a role in helping her out of the conservatorship doesn't mean that like we have any control or say over like her life now. It's like, yeah, okay, fans did a really great job of like getting the media's attention on this and maybe that helped, but... Like, cal- calm the fuck down. Like, this is not our business. She's a, she's a private, like, it's like, yeah, she's a public figure, but at the end of the day, she's also a private citizen. Like, she should yeah. be allowed to, like, yeah. do what she needs to do. I mean, this is very, uh, this whole situation is very similar to what we just talked about with Aaron Taylor Johnson and TikTok, this discourse on the internet and the, this tab- the tabloidness of it all, of it's like, we right now are playing an active part in how this narrative is playing out. And I think fans are having a very big hand in this playing out in a negative light for Britney. As Sarah already mentioned previously, her husband had to be like, no, I don't control Britney. I let her do what she wants and I respect her privacy. And it's like, it's so unaware. It's so tone deaf. It's so like, was that Britney Spears documentary for nothing? Yeah. If not if we're not recognizing our behavior and our role in all of this. Yeah. And I mean, and fans have already decided that Sam is a villain. So in that regard, it's like, it doesn't really matter if he says that he doesn't control Britney. They're still on TikTok being like, look, this video looks like she was green screened into this image or whatever the case is. And it's like, I don't know. I just feel like we're taking it to this level of like fans truly feeling like they own a piece of the person that they follow. And it's like, it's so easy to be like an ethical consumer of an artist that you love or like be aware of the fact that you have like a very strong parasocial relationship with somebody it's like I'm aware that like I'm really unhinged about my love for Maddie Healy but like I'm also not like Maddie I'm Maddie I'm like in control of Maddie Healy like he needs to do what I say or else like that'd be ridiculous yeah this kind of brought to mind like Amy Winehouse when she was battling addiction or like going through addiction and the way she was constantly constantly in the press and the media to a degree that's unhealthy especially for someone who's like going through stuff and it's like we don't know what Britney's dealing with in the wake of this, but I also do think fans very much treat her like Britney's a victim and Britney can't look out for herself and Britney doesn't know how to navigate the world and all of those things are entirely unfair. Yeah, I mean, like, I think we're seeing a kind of jarring trend of, like, fans feeling like we should have some sort of say in, like, the life choices that celebrities are making and I don't know if that has to do with like social media access or if it has to do with the fact that we've all just been bored for so long that we know too much about what's going on or what it is. But I mean, I'm, I'm kind of nervous to see like how this trend moves going forward of just kind of like us feeling obligated to have some sort of say in like what our favorite celebrities are doing or how they're handling things. So, I mean, if you guys have any thoughts or feelings about this stuff, I I know that this was like a lot to unpack and like a lot of like discourse on like fan behavior really and how people are like handling their 
personal emotions towards a celebrity in like a kind of unethical way at the end of the day. So we would both love to hear some feedback about like your guys' thoughts and feelings on all this. So you can find us on social media. We're at Name Three Songs on all platforms. And we would love to chat with you about what's been going on in all of these stories. If you have any personal grievances or love you'd like to throw our way, you can find us on social media. I'm at Sarah underscore Fagan on all platforms. And Jenna is at Jenna underscore Million. So thanks for joining us this week on Name Three Songs. And until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. And remember, you're never too cool to listen to Tomorrow by Together. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode, you can visit Name3Songs.com. 